Many thanks to our choir and to Frank, who evidently brought the whole orchestra this morning to share with us uh, during the offering. But uh, it's so good to be here with you today as we move toward the end of our Sermon on the Mount series, uh, Messages from the Mountainside. I hope that you have enjoyed the sermon notes that have been a part of it, except for one Sunday, of course. Um, But I just want to say a word about the picture that's on the front of those sermon notes. It shows mountains in the background and a few flowers in the field. Um, A lot of times people don't think about uh, what the Holy Land looks like or they have a picture of deserts and, uh, you know, rocky crags and places like that. But, But actually it's, well, a lot of like the United States and that it's got a little bit of everything especially up in uh, northern Galilee where this Sermon on the Mountain was preached. Uh, It looks a lot like Mississippi, except the hills are a little bit higher. Um, And even though when you get away from the water, it turns a little more arid, um, it's still very much sort of like what we enjoy. So to take a look at this picture and to picture Jesus kind of up there onto the mountainside is not such an inaccurate sort of portrayal of the area. Well, let's take a look at this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And unfortunately, we just won't get to look at the whole Sermon on the Mount in this series because we'll be starting into Lent in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, let's take what we get and and really hear what Jesus has to say. Let me invite you to stand in honor of the reading, which comes from the sixth chapter of Matthew, beginning with the 24th verse. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what shall we drink, or what will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Be seated. (laughs) Seems like everybody has something that they want to worry about, doesn't it? For many of us, we worry about money because as we get toward the end of the month, it seems like the money has given out before the end of the month. 
We worry about the economy. We worry about, um, we worry about illness. We worry about grieving. We worry about uh, what's the price of oil in the Middle East. We worry about how many medals will the U.S. win today. <laughs> we worry about all sorts of things. We worry about teenagers out on the weekends. We worry about family members uh, traveling from one place to the other. In fact, that kind of seems to be a theme for many of us. We worry about traveling an awful lot. Many of us are like uh, Red Madden, who as an NFL football coach never rode, uh, never flew on an airplane anywhere that he went, but he always took a train or a bus or whatever. You were just not going to get him up into the air. There was an airplane that was flying at 40,000 feet, and a passenger named Mr. Benson felt the airplane shudder and heard a noise outside. He looked out his window and saw that one of the engines was aflame. So he shouted out, one of the engines is on fire. People panicked. Many of them rushed over to the windows on his side of the plane to take a look when all of a sudden they heard another boom and over on the other side of the plane, a second engine was blown and was on fire much the same way. Well, the passengers were in a panic and despite the best efforts of the flight attendants, they just could not seem to calm them down. But then the pilot comes out the cockpit door and he's smiling and he's strolling confidently down the aisle and he says, there's nothing to worry about. Calm down and return to your seats. Well, there was a little murmuring, but they returned to their seats and they quieted down and the pilot continued his way toward the back of the plane and began to reach under the flight attendant's seats there in the back and pulling out little backpacks and he put one on and gave one to each of the flight attendants. And one of the passengers says, hey, aren't those parachutes? He says, yes. They say, we thought you told us there wasn't anything to worry about. He says, there's not. We are going for help. <laughs> it seems that many of us worry, 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 even about little travel worries like that. But Jesus begins this section of the Sermon on the Mount with giving us some instructions. The first is that wealth and faith are not a very, uh, not a very good mix. Then he, toward the end of this particular passage, kind of confirms that with what he says about seeking first the kingdom of God. But in between, and this is where we'll spend most of our time today, in between, he talks about worry. And, you know, how many of us are so good at worrying? Are we not? Hmm. But just first, a couple of things about what he says related to wealth. Jesus introdu introduces this section for, of the Sermon on the Mount, talking about how wealth and faith are rather strange bedfellows. You can't serve two masters, he says. All the wealth that we receive through our lives, if they're received, you know, with good, honest work, we want to use those things like they need to be used. As Jennifer talked about, we have things that we need and we need to apply the things that we acquire in order to live with the things that we need. But when wealth becomes that luxury upon luxury upon luxury upon luxury, then perhaps we have begun to lose our focus. 
and lose our understanding of the priorities that God would have for us. One of the things that Barclay says about this passage, he says, all things belong to God and wealth is always a subordinate good. All things belong to God and wealth is always a subordinate good. Reminding us that everything is God's. We receive it from God. It all returns to God at some point. But if we lose our focus and realize that it's not less important than our relationship with God, then we've lost our sense of priorities. So put that in perspective first. And as we get back to seek first the kingdom of God, realize that Jesus is just reiterating his understanding of what the priorities need to be. Another thing that we need to remember is that if we are blessed with a number of possessions, if we own a lot of material things, it's not so much a matter for congratulations, but it's more so a matter for prayer. That we might remember that all of the things that we receive from the hand of God should be used in the ways that God would want them to be used. It's a matter of keeping those priorities straight. But now, in between, Jesus simply says, don't worry so much. If there were a theme song for today's sermon, besides the beautiful hymns that we sang, it would, of course, be Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry be happy. That's right. Can y'all give us a little rendition? Yeah, they've got it going on the back row. I should have known. Um, <laughs> but even as, even as we hear those words, don't worry, be happy, all of us are way too prone to worrying. I can remember as I was growing up, um, I didn't worry a whole lot. I, I knew it was a scientific fact that if you handled frogs, you got warts. But then I heard about worry warts. And I know, I knew some worry warts. I might have even been a little worry wart myself. The worry wart is one of those kids, you know, who just simply annoys or irritates their mom or annoys or irritates their peers or especially their older brothers and sisters. But I didn't worry a whole lot. I didn't know, have a whole lot to worry about. I had the things that I need. I, I, I was able to carry out my life without a, a care in the world. But then I came across this passage in the Bible from Matthew 6. It says, don't worry about your life. The things that you will eat, the things that you will drink, or what you will wear. And when I came across that passage, even though I didn't have a whole lot to worry about, I realized this was something that Jesus said that just kind of sets us free. It turns us loose. It allows us to live our lives in much the same way. Not because we don't have a care in the world, but because with Jesus walking beside us, by laying ourselves in the hands of God our Father, we don't have to worry about it so much. But none of us likes to hear those words. Jesus says, don't worry so much. Don't you hate it when somebody says to you, just don't worry about it. 
as if they could minimize every care that you have, as if they could just kind of make it all better by simply saying the words, don't worry so much. And even though I, as a high schooler, didn't have any idea about anything to worry about in my life, there are many of us who at this point in our lives have made it our job to worry. It was my mom's job to worry. She worried about the places that I would go, and she said always, this being before the time of cell phones, she says, make sure that you call me when you get there so I will not worry. And there were times, as I mentioned earlier, that we would get to the end of the month before we'd get to the end of the money, and it would seem like my parents would have those conversations. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And along, Jesus comes and says, don't worry so much. But what, was, what does Jesus know? Jesus doesn't have a mortgage. Jesus doesn't, uh, doesn't have to save for college educations. Jesus doesn't have teenagers out on weekend nights. And besides that, he's God. What has he got to worry about? Maybe that's what he's telling us when we put our, hand, our lives in the hands of God, we need not worry. Easy for Jesus to say, though. Harder for us to realize it. Some of us work so hard at worrying that it is like our job to worthy. Um, back when uh, Benjamin was an early child, we... we uh, we used to have all those tapes and videos, you know, with the children's songs. And there was one particular uh, tape by Raffi that uh, had a song on it called I'm a Policeman. It went like this. I'm a policeman dressed in blue. Here are some things I like to do. Direct the traffic in your town. Help to keep you safe and sound. It's my job and I like it fine. No one has a better job than mine. And then it went, uh, I'm a policeman dressed in blue. I want to be a friend to you. You can see me every day. I will wave my hand and say, It's my job and I like it fine. No one has a better job than mine. But then, of course, we made up verses. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was kind of looking to see if some of our bankers were here today because I, I love the verse that we came up with. said, uh, I'm a banker dressed in green, got more money than you've ever seen. Watch it come and watch it go. Won't you let me keep your dough? It's my job and I like it fine. <laughs> well, it seems like, <laughs> it seems like many times we love to worry so much that it's our job. And we like it fine when we get to worry like that. But first of all, we need to realize that worry is an expression of faithlessness. Worry is an expression of faithlessness. You might, you might want to pull your toes back a little bit. Because that can be hard to hear for those of us who really like to invest a lot in our worrying. But if God gave us life, surely we can trust him for the things that are necessary to support life. What does Jesus say? 
Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, but your heavenly Father provides for them. Look at the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spend, but Solomon in his glory was not arraigned in more beautifully than these flowers of the field that are here today and tomorrow are thrown into the oven. If God, if God who loves you so much cannot provide for you, somehow you've lost your understanding about who he is and who he wants to be in your life. Worry, friends, distorts the facts of history, nature, and life. It always imagines that things are worse than they can be. Worry tends to defy the laws of physics. Worry tends to manipulate the facts of history. Worry tends to exaggerate the realities of life. And if you will keep your thinking in a realistic perspective, you will worry less. Perhaps our, our biggest struggle comes as we look toward the future. It was about three years ago, I think, as I shared with you on this particular passage, that I told you that I was turning 55. You remember that one? And as, uh, as I looked ahead, and if I lived 25 more years and lived to a good old age of 80, I had uh, 25 years left. That would be 4% a year. I wanted to make sure that I spent every 4% really well. Well, it's been three years. And how many percent is that? 12%. That's right. And as I think about that, as I look at that, I'm thinking about, oh, what have I done with these three years? What's, what's been going on in my life? What do, what do I need to be doing? I need to do it faster. need to do it quicker. need to do it better. But then I realized while next month I'll be 58, at the end of the year, my dad will be 86. I think I'm gaining ground. <laughs> you see? we're not careful. We worry too much. We create realities that do not exist. Remember the biggest, the biggest troubles you have that you've got to face are those that never come to fruition. Worry about the future is wasted effort and the future reality is seldom as bad as the future designed by our fears. Calvin Coolidge said, if you look down the road and you see 10 things coming at you, 10 bad things that could happen, just realize that nine of those are going to turn off before they get to you. The future is not nearly as bad as we might imagine. And so worry about the future is needless, useless, and even damaging. It is a misuse of the imagination. Arthur Summers Roche said, worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind and as it works its way down the, through the mind, it, it cuts a channel through which it goes. But friends, I think that worry becomes a whirlpool sucking the life out of God's people. And it'll suck things out of your life like joy and hope 
and dreams and visions. You have all of these things that you can accomplish through your life. If we're not careful, worry can simply suck the life right out of you. Take no anxious thought for tomorrow, says Jesus. That's the commandment of Jesus. And that is the way to peace. The birds of the air find what they need. The lilies of the field are dressed in a way that we cannot imagine its beauty. So what are we supposed to do? What do we do? Well, you might try. Don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) But you might also seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all of these things will be added unto you. And then maybe take one day at a time. Worry can be defeated when we acquire the art of living one day at a time, asking for just enough grace for today, putting ourselves into the hands of the one who made us and trusting that we are safe and secure in his care and keeping. Remember the birds of the air. Remember the flowers of the field. Are you not of so much more value than they? We close our service today with hymn number 405, Seek Ye First. You might even be able to sing that without the words. And if we will go about our lives in much the same way of seeking first the kingdom of God, then we'll find that all those things are added to our lives as well. If we become those who worry less and trust in God more, then we'll find that he brings us peace and hope and a future. As he's calling you today, respond to that and make that commitment. Respond to that call upon your life and claim the peace that he's prepared for you. As we sing, if he's calling you to be a part of the St. Matthew's family, we invite you to join us at the front as we sing together. Let's stand.